0: Beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics featuring occasional injections of rumored innuendo, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Republican pro Trump attorney Josh Cantrell, pro Joe Biden Democratic attorney Jacob Meister, John Cass of the Chicago Tribune, and a little bit later on in the broadcast, we'll be joined by Craig Gilbert, Washington Bureau Chief for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, talking about Wisconsin politics. Ohio GOP leader Dave Johnson, also a businessman there, and Texas Talk Show host Kenny Raymeyer of KLBJ. That's Kenny Rawmeyer. And again, it's nice to have you with us. Uh, our phone number is open at one 800 723 8289 That's one 800 723-8289. Uh, and uh, I'm going to begin with uh, a question to everybody. By the way, we are fortunate. This is the third week in a row. We have at least two guests in studio with us, which we appreciate. And I better get down in my chair because I seem to be out of the camera angle here. Can we raise this picture up a little bit, guys, for those watching uh, on television? And again, we are on YouTube, and we're also on Facebook Live. But the question that I have is... Uh, we... Society and politics right now is very tense. We had a Democratic convention. We had a Republican convention. We've had demonstrations in the streets. We've had people shot. Uh, and, and my question to you, I'll, I'll start with you, Josh. Is there a way to calm down um, the, the tension in the country and get back to some serious time talking about the serious issues uh, that are bringing a lot of Americans to the streets?
1: Well, I would hope so, Bruce, but I think that given that we're now in the height of the uh, election season, really, which starts after Labor Day, when those of us who are not political junkies start paying attention, I believe it's just going to get worse. Unfortunately, I think that the rhetoric and that the hatred um, that I blame more on the Democrats uh, because they have never accepted Trump as their president, it's just going to get worse. That's what I fear. Jacob Meister is our Democrat
0: tonight. And uh, Jacob, what's your answer to the same question?
2: Well, I, you know, I think it's really unfortunate. That, you know, this is the path that uh, Donald Trump has led this country down since since Charlottesville, uh, you know, where he said these neo-fascists and white supremacists carrying their torches and, you know, yelling death to the Jews, blacks, everybody was, uh, those are good people. That was his what he said. He is taken us down the road of division and we do need to but heal. Let me we ask need a moderate we need we need to moderate we need to realize that you know we we can't be taking our country down the path towards division and civil war we need to have how
0: can we have this how can we have this jacob when the democrats and i'm going to go directly to you here uh, when you consistently uh Misread and misquote what the president said about Charlottesville. Joe Biden used that as a rationale for running. What the president said, and if you check all the transcripts, he was referring to people that were there because they disagreed with with, with the decision on the on the statues and the Confederate flag, and that's what he meant when he said "good people on all sides." He he was not talking about those carrying the torches. Sputtering, the uh, spouting, the anti-Semitic um, rhetoric that you're he, talking about.
2: He's, 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 no, he's just duplicitous. He's he, you know, he's got the QAnon. He says, "Oh, I like Jacob." These people you are ignoring
0: me. the question that I just asked. But I That's think total it, BS, what you've just no. said. No, well, I don't think it is.
2: Okay, I Bruce. Look, well, I think, let, it's, uh, I think uh, it's Bruce. Right I was uh, right, I was about
1: to go and, go and and make the same point. Go. That is exactly what he did not say. He did not say there are good people that there Nazis are good people. That is not what he said. Joe Biden likes to run with that. What he said is that on this debate over whether we should tear down Confederate monuments or not, there are good people on both sides. He's right about that. He did not call Nazis good people. And so when I saw Joe Biden continue to stoke that anger in his speech, that just showed me in response to the question you asked earlier, Bruce, about are we gonna have uh, is this going to get toned down? No. I think the Democrats are set to do everything they can, misrepresent everything this man has said to get him out of office. Well, what I'm does that do, on, Jacob?
2: I'm getting piled on two on uh, one. Let uh, me let me have a little bit of time here to say what I'm
0: going to say, uh, can, if can I, I could. You, you can. I'll let you say it. But again, then I then I want to switch on to something that's a little more contemporary that people are dealing with right this moment, literally uh, within you know 60 miles of where we speak correct
2: well the, yeah it, it, it this is this is a the politics of division that has gone on for the last 4 years has it, this is the, the trump's reality that we are living in where you call people names you are a schoolyard bully your own the own people in his party who are moderates say enough is enough this politics of division has got to come to an end you can't be separating children from their parents, deporting people, calling black people, you know, brown people, you know, horrible things. He has divided this nation and we are now living the reality that he has dealt us. How does Joe Biden put this country back together again? Joe Biden has, his entire career, he has been a moderate. You've got,
0: you're looking in the rearview mirror. He, I want to ask a question about if Joe Biden is elected in November, what's going to change? How is this country going to be united again if Joe Biden wins? Joe, Simple Biden, question. Uh, Joe,
2: Biden's, Joe Biden's history, and I'm saying this because I'm looking in the rearview mirror, there's no reason for us to believe that the Joe Biden that we have known for 40 years is going to be any different. He is a moderate, he is a uniter. He reaches across the aisle, he compromises, that is his entire career, and there is absolutely no reason to believe he won't do the same thing, and it is exactly what this country needs to bring us together to
0: heal. If you believe that, and I'll go to John, if you believe that, then that flies in the face of the rationale used by Joe Biden to run for president. He specifically talked about the reason that he's running is because of Charlottesville. It has nothing to do with, and I agree with you, his mostly moderate, moderate liberal background, th- this, this was not a moderate position
1: when he said that the reason that he was running, the principal reason he was running was because of Charlottesville. Josh. Okay, so Bruce, first of all, Joe Biden is a moderate liberal background, but he is now caved to the Bernie Sanders Warren wing of the party by making so many concessions to them that it is unbelievable. Look, the Democrats had one of the most notorious anti-Semites in the country, Linda Sarsour, speak at their convention. They are making concession after concession on on numerous issues to them. So he's taking over a party that is not the party of Bill Clinton anymore. It's not even the party of uh, the Obama-Biden administration. He's taking over a party... That has been overrun by the far left, so he can't possibly unite the country that way.
2: Well, Trump took over the party that was taken over by the far right extreme, neo neo nationalists, skinheads, white supremacists. He pandered to them in a major way. He blows dog whistles constantly. Talk about politics of extreme. Joe Biden, yes, he has his extreme in his party, but he has come out consistently against issues that they are trying to push. We've got a pause. And the Republicans have tried to make it as though he's... he's, guys,
0: Guys, we've got a pause. Back shortly from Evanston, Illinois.
3: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth.
4: A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I
5: don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live.
4: That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94
5: floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift.
4: What could you make possible as an organ eye and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
0: Well, folks, uh, am I back on the air here? Because I have no idea. There's no clock here, so I'm going. I'm doing the show without a clock. So come on in here and fix the clock, okay? Because I can't do a show without a clock. Uh, but I can do a show. Uh, actually, I've done a show without guests, but that's not going to be the problem tonight. <laughs> uh, joining us uh, uh, on the Zoom at the moment is John Cass, uh, the longtime columnist for the Chicago Tribune. Guys, just come in here and fix. They fix this thing. Whatever you got to do. Uh, John Cast, you've been hearing uh, what we've been talking about for the last fifteen minutes, and I want to ask you the question that I asked everyone else: Given the combustibility of our our political climate now, is there any? Are you optimistic that this discussion can be put back in the bottle and we can come to some form of civility in trying to address all the people that are upset in this country at the moment?
6: I have. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. I have not heard. The first 15 minutes. So just that's okay. Well, 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 we will not take
0: a test on that, but what's the, what's the answer to your question about, uh, uh, about, is there a, is there a peaceful way for us to get back and be uh, a little more civil in our discussions?
6: Yeah, it's the constitution. We use the constitution as our guide and we proceed, <clears throat> but look, you can't be civil. Civility is going to be difficult. After four and a half, whatever, three years, four years of the Democrats playing with matches, they don't like what they're seeing now because it's blowing back on them. But but throughout the time time period, Trump was elected. And to cover themselves, I believe, my own opinion, from uh, the disastrous selection of Hillary Clinton, they've embarked on a, a series of deconstructing, um arg- an argument that is very dangerous and now they're seeing the result of it
0: uh Jacob is our Democrat and Jacob I want to ask you uh, and I, I really I don't I don't want you to feel like you're being picked on tonight but there's some issues here that need to be resolved to what extent when, when Donald Trump says, that the real problem here is, you, you've stated what you think the problem is, but when Donald Trump says that it's Democratic mayors or Democratic governors in big states and big cities that have allowed lawlessness to continue, is there any piece of that that you believe is accurate? No. I, I, I think this is, this
2: is the natural, we are experiencing the natural consequence of what Donald Trump ignited in this country. Tell
0: me about Portland. How does it draw a sign? You've got, you've
2: draw got line the mayor Portland. of Portland, who's been out in <clears throat> out protesting. Most of the protests are peaceful. You br- you have you have Donald Trump who brings in who brings in thugs, and let's let's call them what they are. This is black water type mercenaries who are hired by the federal government to go what protect a federal building. They stir up trouble. They start tear gassing. These are people who are out trying desperately, okay. te- desperately uh, to 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 stop.
0: Okay. S- let's, racial, let's, let's, that racial okay, it is I got, racial. I got they're,
2: they're, I, I I is, gotta go. Is, to, I gotta. Okay. I gotta, I, I gotta go to
0: Josh the, because well, I'm I'm, let, let, I'm let's let go back by that, and then I want to hear John.
1: Yeah, I mean that is just not the reality. Mm. The reality mm. is is that there were peaceful protests, and there was rioting and looting and vandalism caused by the left and then it's you had, you, the had, you, you, have, had you're, you're you had you had you had you okay i didn't interrupt you you had the you had federal property that was being damaged and the federal government has a right to protect its property so that is entirely appropriate what was the cause of all of this as john correctly said dates back four years the democrats never accepted trump's presidency and they're trying to cover up for their own mistakes and so they consider him to be an illegitimate president they're trying to remove him every way possible and he's still standing and that's what is causing the division in this country john cass
0: about uh, just let's follow up on portland because i'm 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 startled by jacob's assessment that there is no complicity, no fingerprints at all to uh, anything left, whether it's Antifa uh, or that a George Floyd protest got out of hand. Uh, you don't seem to acknowledge that. I want to see if John has a, a way to uh, weigh in on that as well, where, what, what he has seen from, you know, 2,500 miles away.
6: I envy your, your I don't envy your guest's position, and he clearly should not feel as if he has to um, explain all for the Democrats, because they've done a lot of damage to themselves, a serious amount. When you play with, um, let's put it this way, anarchy is not policy. Anarchy is not a good politics. And what people are saying throughout the country are two things. They're saying a desperate attempt at spin, to make this sound like it's Donald Trump's America or something, whatever they're trying to say. At the same time, uh, liberal Democratic mayors are under assault, at least their administrations are, by lip, by even harder left Democratic um, shock troops, anti-fire. let's say BLM or whoever the anarchists of the moment are, and what, however they're being funded, I don't know. But uh, clearly, it's always seemed to me to be an attack on the liberal Democratic mayors who refused help from the federal government, didn't want National Guard in their towns, allowed the looting, didn't like it, but tried to make excuses for it. Um, And and they're the ones who are the Democrats who are trying to pet the wolf and having their hands bitten by this wolf. The fact is, Americans can see, regardless of all this ridiculous spitting by CNN, like uh, mostly peaceful fires or whatever nonsense they put out, people can see it. And that's the, that's, the damage done to the Democrats for
0: playing with anarchy. Let's let uh, Jacob respond to that yeah, I, about I, the role of the Democratic mayors and governors.
2: Well, I think it's—I I think this is the the divisiveness that comes from the right. Is that there? It's all the Democrats doing. What we have is a president who, in Charlottesville, and I am—I—I I watched Charlottesville too. I saw uh, white supremacists, fascists, and I have a president who says. Oh, there's good people on both sides, and that says those people you know, are okay. You know he's, really he's, we got there. a president. We got a president who who separates parents from children at the border for infants from a parent. It, it's racist. It has stoked. It has stoked a level of animosity and conflict in our society that we haven't seen
0: since the civil war. All right now in, in your in your view that that, that that's the the the, the 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 ire in the streets is caused by what you what you have just described which it's on I, both I, sides. I, I it's on both l- sides. I mean no, you you got let me go back.
2: You got you got this white supremacist 17 year old who brings out a long gun and starts shooting people in the street. Don't tell me it's not on both sides. Let me let me I'm going i been I, at know, the the, the, I've been at the protests. Uh, but, but and I see, I see, Jacob, the, I see these, I see these right wing anarchists at- out there trying to st- giving people bricks and saying, "Throw it, throw it, throw it." Where have because- you seen that? It, in Chicago, the you've seen, and you know the right wing.
6: Are you serious? Uh,
2: You're absolutely. saying these are right
6: wing anarchists. Uh, they no want
2: There is, there is. Well, these are, these are certainly not anyone that the organizers know that, Whoa, are, that okay, are stoking up awesome. want, want, coming in from Jacob, the outside I want you to focus Jacob, in from the outside Jacob, and, they are, and they are causing violence mm, I want good you to focus
0: I want you to focus on on try to focus on one thing which is the question that I'm asking and here it is when there was disturbances following George Floyd on Michigan Avenue and on the Gold Coast in Chicago there was there were there were protests there was rioting. There was looting. Okay? Okay. That happened with Lori Lightfoot as mayor, J.B. Pritzker as governor, and it happened, just a minute, it happened for two nights. And, and, and you it are happened blaming for, it on who? No. It happened, I am blaming it on Lori Lightfoot and J.B. Pritzker because they waited until the third night to restore order. It's incompetence. It's incompetence on the part of, of, of the, our mayor and the governor. They don't have the balls, frankly, to to come in and clean up and and preserve uh, preserve the the businesses that are on that street that pay a hell of a that pay a lot of taxes. And they didn't also preserve it when it happened on the south and west sides the second night. They did not. They did not call for the national guard. You know, Tony Evers the other day calls brings in 125 national guardsmen. There's about 11,000 of them in Wisconsin. What's 121 going to do? 125 going to do? It's weakness. The Democrats are weak.
2: I, I, I don't support having military in our streets.
0: Okay, I'd like
2: why to ask you a question, not? please. Why not? Because, because why military, not? the military is for... Is the
0: military the National Guard? Yes. What's the purpose of
2: the National Guard? To 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 maintain... Well, first of all, they go overseas when, we're, when they're needed overseas. Okay. They are not... Troops in our streets. We, I, we will never. They were, tro- they were troops in the, in the streets, streets
0: in 1968. When I was in the National Guard, I was a troop on the street when Martin Luther King was assassinated, or when the Democratic had their riots. Uh, you know, uh, umpteen years ago, tomorrow, yesterday. National Guard is there to help local law enforcement preserve order, not, and you deny there. it. They are First, not there I, for, for law I, I,
1: enforcement I want to add purposes. something. Do, do you blame the mm-hmm. riots that happened in 1968 on Donald Trump? And those weren't Democratic cities. Do you blame the riots the was, that was, happened was, was, was under the... A, was
2: the assassination of King, primarily. Do, do you
1: blame the riots that happened under LBJ. the Obama administration, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, uh, the Baltimore killings, all of that, the serious riots that happened during the Obama administration?
7: Guys, O'Donnell we got to pause. No, we have to pause. Back shortly American American. from Chicago. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. Pain can be unrelenting, overwhelming, and all-consuming. So why do so many of us try to manage pain only from the palm of our hands? Doctor-prescribed opioids are appropriate in some cases, but they just mask the pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. And by increasing physical activity, you can also reduce your risk of other chronic diseases. Pain is personal, but treating pain takes teamwork. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose more movement and better health. Choose physical therapy. Visit moveforwardpt.com to find a physical therapist in your area. This message is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association.
0: Brewster Wentbeck and Beyond the Beltway. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. We're going to let our guests introduce themselves right now and we're going to start with Jacob Meister. Jacob. Hello.
2: Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Jacob Meister. I'm an attorney. I practice in Chicago. I'm uh, the founder of the Civil Rights Agenda I do, uh, which is a, a statewide LGBT advocacy group. I have done quite a bit of Of uh, civil rights work but in addition uh, I am a business lawyer and um, pretty active politically in the in the metro area and and statewide Josh Cantrell
1: Bruce thanks for having me on again I'm a uh, pro-Israel and uh, Republican activist and commentator and appreciate being on the show once again and especially with uh, with John Cass who I've admired uh, greatly over the years and John
0: Cash, will let uh, now that you've got that bouquet thrown at you, we'll let you identify yourself.
6: It's such a pleasure to be back on with you, Bruce. <laughs> you've had I think this is your fortieth year in broadcasting. I was but a wee lad listening to you <laughs> and Tom Roser back in the day. I'm sure Josh Cantro and Jacob also did. Yeah. <laughs> and we were thinking, How can we break in on this show? And here we are. Here we um, are rolling around in the mud uh on on yeah, on the Beltway. So, thanks for we, having us. How
0: do we? Um, I want to get back to uh, where how each campaign has described this. I mean, the Democrats are saying that democracy is at stake. Uh, the Republicans are saying that uh, that Joe Biden is going to destroy America. Uh, Josh, uh, I want you to respond to uh, to a question that uh, many Democrats have said, and I think there's some truth to it. Uh, the Trump administration is talking about how bad America is going to be if Joe Biden is elected, and yet the crime that we're talking about—whether it's street crime or political crime or uh, violence in the streets—I mean, Donald Trump is the president now. Donald Trump has been the president uh, on day one of the Portland riots. Right. Why
1: are they? Why do they continue if if he's in charge? Well, I I think that. That's a good point. And some of my friends on the right want to say this is just like 1968, where Richard Nixon won on a law and order campaign. And my re- response has been well, Richard Nixon wasn't president in 1968. He was running against the incumbent vice president on whose watch that happened. But I think that people can understand that these cities are controlled by Democratic mayors, the states are largely controlled by Democratic governors. And look at here in Chicago, we have have Democratic control of the city of Chicago since 1932. There's only so much the federal government can do in a system of federalism. Trump cannot just send in the troops. They have to be requested by the governor or by the mayor.
0: Do you think that the president has made mistakes by saying things or tweeting things, suggesting to his followers that he can do more than he actually can do?
1: Yes, I do. I think that is a uh, mistake. And I've been on this show and in my writings, as you know, Bruce, critical of his tweets and some of those claims.
0: John, uh, John do you agree with that, that the president may, uh, uh, he's he maybe a little too mouthy and he can't deliver on things that he, his constituents would like him to deliver on?
6: Um, I I too have been critical of his tweets, but let's be, let's be serious here. Um, the Lori Lightfoot responded to his request for help by saying she had an F and an A for him. Yeah. That's the mayor right. of Chicago. The mayor of Chicago speaking that way to the president when the mayor of Chicago knows she wants money from the federal government to bail out the pension deals that Democrats and Republicans have uh, settled the state and city with. So uh, I, th- I find it all very irresponsible. I also find it quite entertaining to see the literal panic in the voices and on the faces and in the typewriters or keyboards of many of my liberal colleagues to see what's going on. I mean, look, they've been pushing anarchy or some form of it since the beginning. You had the whole Barack Obama group You know, meeting by the book, spy gate if you're a Republican and uh, by the book if you're a Democrat, but whatever it was, they used the intelligence services to spy and delegitimize the president. And from there it was impeachment and impeachment and um, Ukraine and Russia and Russia. And when all that didn't work, delegitimizing the president, they had the 1619 project and other aspects of liberal can't, left can't. I'm going to separate between mm-hmm. liberals and the left. And the left is was deconstructing the, the country, the history of the country, by making it seem as if we were all racists and race has a hierarchy, a hierarchy of race, which is uh, the, whatever that's called, the critical mm-hmm. race theory the, the, of yeah. the... Marxists.
0: Let me, John, let and me Wait a this, second. Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah. The point okay. being,
6: all this, all this again and again and again, over and over and over. Now, my candidate was Rand Paul, the one who was almost beaten up the other day. Mm-hmm. But all this again and again and again, over and over and over, didn't work until they had COVID, COVID-19. And that was working for them. That was working a little bit. But then when George Floyd happened... And the protests were hijacked by the left and c- cities were destroyed as you, as all the guests acknowledge and the people out there acknowledge, um, they went too far. The left went too far and now they set the table for Joe Biden and he has to eat with what, what's on his plate. That's simple
2: as that. Uh, Jacob, do you think the left has gone too far? I think our country's gone too far, but uh, I, I think I okay. think both sides. I think on both sides, uh, on the right and the left, the extremes have gone too far, um, and I think it's been encouraged. I think we have a president who stoked it. He, his tweets—you can try to dismiss him. His tweets are divisive. His policies have been divisive. He's used government for his own his own ends. And let's face it—you know—we've got a whole laundry list of Flynn, Manafort. You know, Bannon, we Stone, have, Cone. You know, these are all people who are who who you know yeah. have th- th- these if are we convictions. Were, if we
0: were if if we were focusing and trying to stay focused on the disturbances and the unrest that's out in the streets, my question to you is, uh, you know, I asked uh, Josh whether or not uh, Trump could do more, and and did his big mouth get him in trouble? My question to you is, if Joe Biden wants to be the next president. Is there something he could or should be doing right now to reach out to Democratic mayors and governors or political leaders or the leaders of Black Lives Matter? Is there things that he could say right now that would lower the temperature? And should he do it? Yes.
2: I think message of unity is what it's all about. We've got, let's, how does that message sound? What does that sound like? Independent, independent women voters in the suburbs are likely to make this election And what they have resoundingly told pollsters is that the divisiveness in this country, they want to come to an end. They want somebody who is moderate, who will reach across the aisle, who will be able to work together and take take the volume in this country and turn it way down and start having conversations with each other you Know, start. Let's start talking about some systemic issues and systemic problems. Bruce, if, I, if I could there. just respond, yes, go ahead.
6: What conversations, uh, what yeah. conversations, yeah, I, you go was, to a restaurant yeah. and the group of uh, hard lefties comes up to your table and it, begins to scream at you.
2: Well, what conversations well, are you talking you, about? You, you, I would, John, the folks on your like, side are the same thing. Come I'm sorry, on, I on. would
6: like to see. I would like to see Mr. Biden remember what the Democratic Party was once before he caved and wanted to be president and stand up and in no uncertain terms condemn Black Lives Matter for looting and supporting looting and anarchy and violence and condemn the others and say a U.S. senator was assaulted in Washington. This is not part of the Democratic Party. I don't want to see it. You don't belong with us. But he
2: won't say it. Yeah. Well, no and Donald Trump. And Donald Trump because he, he won't, won't. Donald Trump won't, won't condemn QAnon. Donald Trump. Why, go, do you, wh- why do you always why do you bring it change it be deal because with the because Every, I mean, every time we ask you matter. a question, every, I'm
0: sorry. every time you, you bring up another question. We're talking about it's a factual thing use that virtually everyone listening to the program or watching they know about. They know that people who were leaving the Republican uh, presidential uh, acceptance speech the other night, they were leaving the White House, and they were verbally assaulted. They were abused, including don't, a United States senator. Including Vernon Jones, the Democrat from, from, from Georgia. I mean, do, do you support that? I don't support extremes
2: on either what side. What should no, be done?
0: What should be done, Jacob? What should have been civility. done? Civility,
2: civility. We need to have a leader. We need to you have a leader have who a... advocates for moderation. Okay. Can I for can reaching I across it? the aisle for, for, but but that's what we this country lacks
1: is? Jacob is keeps talking about unity. Judge. He keeps talking about unity, but the Democratic Party itself is not even unified. The Democratic Party is at war between the far left that is taking it over and, quote, moderates like Biden. And what we're seeing is instead of Biden standing up to them, he is caving to them. AOC, Bernie, and Elizabeth Warren are are running the party and he is caving to them you talk you about extremism all the time right. one question you, do,
2: you, do you see do you see that the republican party I was has, extre- has extremists that are that, that that they're catering to there
1: there uh, are which extremists ones? in both parties but donald trump's policies Correct. have not been extreme donald trump has actually been a moderate he the first step back he took the biden crime era bill that locked African-Americans in jail unfairly for life in many cases in the mid-90s and and, and let them out of jail through the first step that passed under the Trump administration. We've got Pulling to pause.
0: Those- We've got to pause. When we come back, we're going to be joined by somebody from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, he has his eyes and ears on what's happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We'll continue our discussion and we'll move it from where it is to where it's going. I'm Bruce Dumont. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, We are here with uh, Josh Cantrow and Jacob Meister and uh, John Cass of the Chicago Tribune, uh, who joins us as well via Zoom. And uh, we're also joined by Zoom now from uh, Craig Gilbert. Uh, Craig Gilbert is a longtime reporter. He's the Washington Bureau Chief for the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal, uh, Journal Sentinel. And uh, Craig, thank you very much for joining us uh, this evening.
10: It's good to be
0: with you. I'd like to begin because when we arranged this uh, interview, Wisconsin wasn't necessarily on the front page of every newspaper in the United States, but its it certainly is today. So I want to ask you, uh, what is the latest that you have about uh, the situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and what can you tell us, if anything, about the president's trip there this coming uh, Tuesday?
10: Well, I don't know the details of the president's. Trip; those haven't been released yet. He is planning on coming. He said he's coming. The governor of Wisconsin, uh, who's a Democrat, Tony Evers, um, just uh, put out a letter to the president asking him not to come. Um, You know, like everything else about this um, uh, terrible event, um, the two parties are basically operating from different planets, um, and you know, you've got. A Republican president talking about coming to Kenosha and visiting the city, and a Democratic governor saying, "Please stay away. You're only going to make it worse."
0: And to what extent are the uh, the political campaigns involved in that? Uh, Because when I watched the uh, uh, the the rally from uh, the Capitol, from uh, the Lincoln uh, Monument yesterday, I heard the father of. Talk differently, the father of uh, Mr. Blake talked differently than when the mother was allowed to speak and when the sister was allowed to speak. They seemed to be on sort of different levels. I mean, the mother comes across as a very reasonable, religious, calm, collected uh, mother, and yet the father and other members that were fighting for that microphone were much more of an inflammatory uh, rhetoric. So, do you know? Has there been much reporting on maybe the differences within that family?
10: Yeah, I I really don't know the answer to that. Um, I mean, I'm there may be differences within the family as there are.
0: Yeah, a lot of families. Where does the uh, bring us up to date on uh, on, on Governor Evers? Because again, uh, uh, he was his first response uh, seemed to be uh, somewhat supportive of. Uh, the, uh, the the demonstrators or the mob that e- evolved and then he sort of pulled back and then uh, he agreed to bring some uh, National Guard troops in. As, as How has his evolution on this uh, affected you or uh, reacting that you have?
10: Well, I mean, he's obviously under attack from Republicans who've accused him of being too slow um, mm-hmm. to respond. Um, his... Uh, response to that is that he has um, uh, taken the requests of local officials and given them the troops they asked for. Um, this is still, you know, everybody is still sort of disentangling the claims and counterclaims that have mm-hmm. been made about what local officials asked for. At one point, local officials said that they they dropped the ball and um, there was a miscommunication and they hadn't asked for any troops. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're still sorting that out. Um, we're still sorting out, uh, uh, you know, the governor's role, other people's role, um, and and it's very hard right now to know how uh, the public is going to perceive, um, you know, how the different political players have have acted and handled in this situation because it's been evolving uh, so quickly.
0: Right. One thing that did happen is the the attorney general, the Democrat attorney general of Wisconsin i thought uh, he was he was uh, quick to come forward with with several pieces of important evidence that he reported including the fact that uh, that the your 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 state bureau of investigation uh, found a knife under the front seat of, uh, of, of the uh, in the car and so that was a significant piece of information with the, which i think would have made everybody take a second look at uh, some of the initial reporting on this john cass of the uh, chicago tribune joins us tonight craig he's got a question or comment for you as well
6: sure i oh, craig i wonder how does how's all this going to play the fires the arson and kenosha the unrest uh the violence death murder politics how's it going to play in the in the suburbs i mean everybody wants to know because yeah it's a battleground state how's right. it going to play out there in the small no, rural areas
10: yeah everybody wants to know and, and we just don't know yet um i don't have an answer to that i really don't i mean I, you know on the one hand I would not be surprised if politically, you know, this was something that um, might cut against the Democrats. But I would not I would not assume that either, um, because you've got so many different threads to this story. Uh, Obviously, you have the role of kind of an armed uh, whatever you want to call them, vigilante, militia member, um, the person responsible for the shootings, uh, mm-hmm. the, the more, you know, the two shootings that followed right. uh, the initial incident. Um, you know, Democrats see see that through one lens, Republicans see it through another lens. Um, so we don't have any, we don't really have any polling on this. We don't, you don't have anything hard to go on. Um, we know that before Kenosha that, um, as the George Floyd protests were unfolding that in Wisconsin, you know, public opinion, um, was becoming less favorable toward the protests and a little more favorable toward the police. That was something that happened before, um, Kenosha happened, but at the same time that didn't affect the presidential race. Um, those shifts in public opinion toward protests did not seem to affect the Biden Trump race. So um, so that's the big question. And, and it's, you know, one reason why I'm very cautious about speculating about that is this race has been very stable. I mean, you know, people are pretty locked in um, about this race. It hasn't. It's not like the numbers have been bouncing around a lot in Wisconsin. So right. there's always the question of what would it take to really shake up a race that's been so stable in terms of the trend we've got, lines.
0: We've got to pause on that point. We will be back with all of our guests after the news break. Don't go away.
8: what is hope hope to me was just that he would get to come home i had no idea
7: how hard it would be once he got back i wish she'd stop drinking so much she thinks it's helping but it's not i hope she sees that soon
11: i act like i don't care if he comes to my games but i hope he does i used to hope he'd find happiness again now i hope marriage mix
8: I hope grandpa will get help he
11: thinks it's too late but it's not with everything that he's going through I hope he sees a counselor I just want my brother back
7: I hoped he'd get help
1: stop hoping things would get better on their own he told me to stop asking I didn't then one day he asked for a ride
12: hope is knowing there are other families just like yours that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard. To do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling, we have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com.
9: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
5: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family.
9: America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives.
13: I'm a veteran. My victory
11: was going from homeless to home.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned.
11: I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education.
9: DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support. For victories great and small. My victory was proving that disability is not a
7: limitation. My victory was getting my service dog and new best friend. We help more than a million
9: veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges.
5: My victory is being able to be
9: there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
11: Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong seeking the truth and speaking our minds not just making records but breaking them leading the way behind the camera beyond the runway and on the silver screen not just making our mark but making a difference now that's a job for a girl scout girl scouts preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership bruce dumont
0: back on beyond the beltway thank you very much for joining us and uh... Greg Gilbert, our studio guest here, Jacob Meister, has a question from you. He's a native of Milwaukee, and uh, he's got a couple of questions for you. Hey, Jacob? Craig, how are you? Good. Um, so,
2: the the whole vigilante issue, you touched on it uh, very briefly, or we touched on it briefly. You know, I, I spend quite a bit of time up in Wisconsin and was actually there uh, up in Milwaukee yesterday and actually stopped in Kenosha. What I'm hearing from people, and I want to see if this agrees with you, is more concern about the vigilantes carrying their long guns and this 17-year-old shooting three people, killing two, it, more than the more than the uh, protesters. Is that is so that what the, you're hearing?
10: Well, I I don't know if I can definitively answer that, um, but I think that's why it's so unpredictable when we talk about. You know the political fallout from this, because there are clearly a lot of people concerned about um, the violence in the protests, and there are a lot of people that are really freaked out about the, this. You know the presence of armed militia um, and what happened um, with Kyle Rittenhouse. So people on both sides are extremely animated by all this. It's it's hard to know. You know again how that sort of nets out politically, but clearly there is a lot of concern and fear um, about this. So, you know, the quote vigilante factor, it's a new element um, in this. It's something that people aren't really used to seeing. And it's something that is really, you know, obviously disconcerting to a lot of people.
0: Now in the case, uh, the, the three people that were shot and two that were killed, they were all white. They were not part of black lives matter. They were, they're doing whatever right. they were doing. We don't know exactly why they were there. We don't know whether they were supremacists or not. But coincidentally, they all No, no, to one New of way. them
10: was a um, was a medic. I mean, they were there, yeah. um, you know, participating in, yes. you know, the street activity and the protests. Yes. Right.
0: But once the shooting took place and he was walking away with his hands held high and you saw sort of the, the some of the tanks and the, the big trucks, rather than not tanks, Uh, going towards the scene, Uh, he was trying to turn himself in, yet he went back to his house and ultimately surrendered. But it seems to me that a lot of people, at least that I've seen on television, they're, they're, they're making the point that, you know, the police didn't even stop this guy. Well, at that particular point, they didn't know that anybody was shot, and they certainly didn't know that this guy was shot. He was waving at him, but they were busy... And, and and some people are reporting it that that was an example of how the police department and the and the National Guard that they cared less about this guy because they didn't know what he had done at that point is, is is that accurate based on what you know
10: well obviously these are confusing scenes yes. um, we don't know exactly what the police saw or thought I mean obviously if they saw this guy um, shoot two or three people, I'm sure they would have arrested him. Um, you know, the police, you know, we're acclimated at that point to seeing people walk around with long guns. Um, so I don't know what the police saw. Um, you know, some people, the criticism from some people is, you know, if it had been a a black man walking around with long rifles, Mm -hmm. um, you know would the police have acted differently so we don't know uh and um you know in the end obviously uh, he ended up in custody
2: well one of the things that that you know is most startling to me is that the police were thanking these vigilantes for coming out they were giving them water they were thanking them for being there and that may explain a little bit about why you know there was a shooting of three people and a guy with a gun goes walking by and the police don't even stop him because he's the white vigilante guy. So he's our friend. Um, and that's the attitude. That's my understanding of the attitude um, out there. Josh. Yeah. I mean,
10: the there's, you know, there's, there's conflicting scenes we've seen. Um, you know, there was also video of Kyle Rittenhouse being turned away by the police at one point, uh, when he had kind of left the parking lot where he was stationed mm-hmm. and then tried right. to return, and he was ordered away. Um, so, and then we've also heard these reports as was just noted about, you know, kind of expressions of sympathy from the police toward the militia members or whatever you want to call them. So, you know, again, um, we're, we're sort of getting, um, uh, you know, gradually getting a more complete picture Mm -hmm. of what went on. Um, but I don't think we have one yet.
0: Well also we should mention for those listening around the country last night in Chicago around 2:30 in the afternoon or 2:30 in the morning uh on the west side of Chicago uh there was a car that was stopped because the the car had been identified as one that was perhaps uh, involved in a crime. The police officers stopped that car. The driver refused to get out of the car. Here's the situation, somebody refusing, resisting arrest or resisting even questioning. And when the police approached that car and they broke out the windows because the person would not open the door, the person fired shots and shot at close range three Chicago police officers who are in critical condition, as I understand at the moment. A third policeman arrived and shot the perpetrator, who also, as I understand at this moment, is alive. So the, this is sort of like the flip side of what we know was happening in Kenosha. And that is the police trying to do their job, and the, uh, the person that ends up uh, getting shot uh, just is not following orders. He's, he's not stopping. He's, he's fighting this resistance of arrest. And so I guess a big question, John, I'm going to ask you this question because uh, you, you talk with a lot of cops. I mean, this whole epidemic, there's an epidemic of resisting arrest in the United States, isn't there?
6: I think that's part of the whole push. If you, you know, Craig's been trying to separate the politics from the facts. And I appreciate that, but the politics, the politics are, are bad. and, it's all been about resistance, and um, from from the left, it's been about um, attacking authority and deconstructing authority from the you know from the founding of the nation to the present. And you shouldn't be surprised that people take this stuff up, like the guy, maybe the the fellow in the car, maybe he's apolitical, or. The, the other kid with the long gun in, in, in um, Wisconsin. It's almost as if pushing an, anarchy, my view, and I, I'm sure others do not hold this view, but I do. Pushing anarchy for political advantage has costs. And one thing I'd like to see is whether Joe Biden and the Democratic Party pay, pay a price for it or... Are we witnessing, as Josh Cantrell ably suggested the last half hour, a conflict really between liberal Democratic mayors and the hard left uh, in, a, in a fight there that will continue regardless of who's president of the United States? And,
1: and picking up on that, uh, John, you, you, you set up what my question was going to be for Craig. Craig, it's true that the mayor of Kenosha is a Democrat, correct?
10: It is true. Okay, it's a nonpartisan but, office, but he is a Democrat.
1: But how much uh, flack is this mayor getting from the citizens about all the businesses and looting and violence that took place? Do we've, they
0: got, feel- we've got to pause for your answer. John Cash. thank you very much for joining us this evening. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away.
6: See hey you guys.
3: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases.
4: A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than
5: a couple weeks to live.
4: That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper.
5: I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift.
4: What could you make possible as an organ eye and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
0: Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Josh Cantrell also joins us. He's uh, uh, back from the conference room. And also uh, Jacob Meister joins us. And uh, Craig Gilbert joins us uh, from uh, Milwaukee. And uh, we're going to uh, invite a couple of other guests in in just a moment. In fact, we'll invite them in now. Uh, Dave Johnson from uh, Ohio and Kenny Rawmeyer from uh, KLBJ. Uh, but we're going to finish up a question with uh, uh, that went to uh, Craig uh, by Josh. And Josh, summarize the question again for those people that just tuned in.
1: Yeah, I was asking, Craig, um, how much blowback is the Democratic governor of Kenosha and the Democratic mayor of Wisconsin getting for the fact that... Uh, Vice versa.
0: I'm sorry? The mayor is from Kenosha, the governor is Democrat. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what I meant. The mayor, <laughs> the mayor from Kenosha is, but they're but they're both Democrats. How much blowback are they getting from the citizens of the city and the state for not being able to protect businesses and lives?
10: political reporter, I'm not on the ground in Kenosha. So I don't know what the mayor is getting in terms of Flack. I mean my guess is the Flack is coming from all different directions. Um, I mean, you know, we were talking about chaos before. I mean I think I think the vast majority of voters in both parties have a healthy uh, and very real fear of chaos. They just have a very different notion of where the chaos is coming from. And and obviously, they have different ideas about which candidate in the presidential race represents chaos and which candidate represents kind of law and order and normalcy. I mean, that's really just another manifestation of the of the, you know, the the size of the perception gap between Democrats and Republicans on these issues.
0: Uh, before we go uh, and say farewell to you, I do want to ask a question because, again, you were the Washington Bureau Chief, and when we started, uh, I was going to have you weigh in on uh, Wisconsin politics and, sure. the, and the likelihood of what's going to happen and all these other things happened uh, since the time uh, we booked you for the show. But uh, in summary now, uh, as you look ahead to Wisconsin, we know it's going to be a toss-up state. Uh, what, do, what, what do voters and listeners around the country need to know about the state of Wisconsin uh, as it relates to uh, where things are right now on the ground?
10: Okay, so a couple of things. So three of the last five presidential races in Wisconsin have been decided by less than a percentage point. That's the only state in the country that can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, among all the battlegrounds, it has the highest sort of percentage of white, blue-collar voters, which means that even though it had a history of voting Democratic for president before 2016, that's a demographic that has been moving toward the Republican Party. At the same time, you know, as well, as good as Trump did with rural voters in Wisconsin, there are still rural parts of Wisconsin that are purple and even a little bit bluish, just like there are suburbs that are more Republican around Milwaukee than they are mm-hmm. in a lot of other big cities. So Wisconsin has some quirks. I mean, it's been sort of the politics has been nationalized. It's, it's very competitive. Um, Donald Trump has been trailing in the polling as he has nationally, but Wisconsin will vote, you know, it'll, a little bit to the right of the nation as a whole, as it did in 2016. So if the national race is down to, you know, a three or four point race, then Wisconsin is going to be pretty close to a toss up at that point in time. Hmm.
0: Would you say then that on election eve or election night, rather, if the polls are coming up and, and the results are coming in? and it looks like the president is going to win in Wisconsin, he is likely to be winning in Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio, and perhaps Pennsylvania as well.
10: Well, I wouldn't, Minnesota is a a strange case because it's always voted to the left of Wisconsin. So I don't know if, you know, Obviously President Trump won Wisconsin last time that did not mean that did not involve winning Minnesota. Some people uh-huh. think Minnesota could go Republican this time but mm-hmm. but generally you'd find Wisconsin to the right of Minnesota. I mean the other thing I should mention is you know a lot of people will be voting by mail. We don't know yet because of pending federal litigation whether they're still going to accept mail ballots uh, that have been mailed by election day but not received mm-hmm. by election day. So we don't know whether we'll know the result Mm -hmm. on election night or not in Wisconsin. Um, But we know that Democrats are a lot more likely to vote by mail than Republicans. And so like everything else, you know, there's going to be a sort of a partisan divide and a partisan pattern when it comes to how people vote as well as, you know, who they vote for.
0: Before we say farewell to you, Dave Johnson also joins us. He is the Republican chairman of Columbiana County, one of the most Republican counties in Ohio. Dave, nice to have you with us. You're also a businessman. Let, let me a- let me ask you uh, the question that I just asked Craig. Uh, Ohio uh, was pretty solid for Trump last time. We're going to talk about where it is right now. But is Ohio closer to vo- to Wisconsin voting patterns? or Michigan voting patterns, or are they not close to any other of those states?
13: Well, I think Ohio has always been sort of a bellwether state and one of the leading battleground states in the country because we have this mix of big cities, Cleveland, Akron, Toledo, um, Columbus now becoming very much an urban Democrat area, Cincinnati. Cincinnati yeah. You know, And then you have all the rural areas of Ohio. So it, it's a great big melting pot. Uh, of the country, and uh, but I dare say uh, Trump is very strong in Ohio. I think he's every bit as strong as he was in the last cycle, and I think the, the primary reason being uh, the manufacturing issues, the oil and gas issues, which is a, a huge mm-hmm. thing in Ohio in, in, in recent years, say the last uh, three to four years, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think uh, this whole security thing, has everybody on edge mm-hmm. and suburban housewives that were, were formerly not uh, so hot for Trump are now concerned that the the inner city uh, chaos and the looting and the burning of this has happened in Cleveland it's happened in in downtown Columbus we have still downtown Columbus some parts of it are still boarded up mm-hmm. so are there these uh- are major that inure to the benefit of
0: Trump. We've got no, less I. than five minutes left. Let me ask you, Dave. Do you have a question about Wisconsin politics? And Kenny Rahmeyer? I'm going to ask you the same question. We'll start with Kenny Romeyer. Do you have a question uh, to uh, our, our our friend from uh, Wisconsin?
14: Uh, nothing right off the top, Bruce.
0: Okay, very good. I, what about you, Dave?
13: Well, I I think. Uh, Wisconsin is uh, is an interesting state politically and to think that they could have elected a guy like Walker uh, as governor and reelected him under, you know, great protest, uh it, it is a state that can probably go either way in this cycle. Would you say that, Greg? Absolutely.
10: I mean, I don't we don't know. I mean, is you know, the national race has been um, you know, we've seen Biden op- he Biden had opened up a lead nationally with you know, when the national race is seven or eight or nine points, then Wisconsin is likely, you know, is is more likely to vote Democratic than not. But if the race narrows Mm -hmm. nationally, as people expect it to, Wisconsin will be back on a knife's edge again. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's, it is, um, like I said, you know, the voting history. Um, And so um, it's, you know, we (laughs) hold your breath. I mean, Mm -hmm.
0: Well, one other thing we should mention, I don't, have, I don't have all the specifics right now, but again, another interesting thing about there uh, that we're talking about in some of these states is uh, the number of African-American lieutenant governors that we have in the country, especially in the, the Midwest. If Joe Biden should get elected and Joe Biden wanted to fill his cabinet with Democratic governors like Tony Evers, if he would do that, In one in one fell swoop, he could he could put in place five African American governors in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, uh, in Illinois, and uh, actually a a Mexican American governor out in uh, in in New Mexico. So uh, that that in one fell swoop could be one of the most significant political moves uh, by anyone and uh, there may be a lot of african american political uh, folks uh, who are going to be uh, asking uh, joe biden that question uh, if he is successful because uh, in many cases uh, both for republicans and democrats uh, frequently the lieutenant governor is seen almost as a it's almost as a token position uh, but in this particular case if uh, uh, if joe biden were to get elected and certainly, uh, there are positions that uh, those governors would be uh, make uh, good cabinet secretaries. Uh, uh, many Black Americans might say, "Put up or shut up" to Joe Biden if that happens. And that includes the the lieutenant governor in uh, Wisconsin. Did he hurt himself? One last question. This is really is the last question, Greg. Mm-hmm. Did the did your lieutenant governor hurt himself by by maybe coming out uh, too much in support of the the, the demonstrators uh, this past week?
10: You know. I- we're talking about the lieutenant governor, yes. so it's kind of hard to to, to figure out whether you right. know he's helped or hurt politically. He, yeah. he, no, they have much lower profiles, as you know, than, know. than governors. And he's a young guy, so yep. um, you know he's got a political future ahead of him. Um, and uh, yeah, Wisconsin is a volatile state, so <laughs> it's hard to know. I mean, Tony Evers, some you know how long he's going to be in politics is hard to say whether he could, you know, be part of a Biden administration is hard to say, but he doesn't really, you know, he wasn't a partisan political figure. He was right. the state school superintendent. Yep. Um, so you have to keep that in mind about his political career.
0: And uh, Governor Walker, is there a comeback opportunity for him or, or has his time come and gone?
10: Well, I mean, he certainly likes to keep himself in the public eye. Um, I think he, you know, there was some Walker fatigue um, in 2018, uh, and also he wasn't helped. But, you know, Wisconsin has this long history going back to the 19, early 1990s. If the, if the president is a Democrat, then the Republican wins the governor's race. Mm-hmm. If the president is a Republican, then the Democrat wins the governor's race. I mean that and that's what happens I think when you have a state that's so evenly divided that sometimes just that's all the push it takes to kind of mobilize voters in the out party to get their own person elected for the governor's race. And so that has as much to do as as anything does about who wins these races.
0: Greg Gilbert, thanks very much. You, we kept you a lot longer than uh, I promised you, but thanks very much. The Washington Bureau Chief for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Thanks very much. When we come back, we're going to talk about Ohio politics with Dave Johnson and also Texas politics with talk show host Kenny Rallmeyer from KLBJ.
3: A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were
5: failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve
4: received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper.
5: I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift.
4: What could you make possible as an organ eye and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
0: Bruce Dumont, thanks very much for joining us tonight on Beyond the Beltway. Kenny Rallmeyer is one of our guests in this segment, and he is the longtime talk show host for KLBJ Sunday Afternoons in Austin, Texas. Kenny, nice to have you with us. Thank you so much, Bruce, and congratulations
14: on 40 years, by the way.
0: Very good. And also, uh, we mentioned that Dave Johnson joins us. Uh, He is the Republican chairman of Columbiana County. That's in Ohio. He also is a a major businessman there and a famous uh, hospitality leader. And uh, we're going to talk with each of them about what's happening in their states. And, Kenny, I guess the big question to you is, and we've avoided talking about it for a long time, but there's a lot of people who've been whispering for quite some time that they think, that Texas could be in play and that the president might be having problems there. What's your uh, assessment of that uh, uh, possibility?
14: Right. Here's a few reasons, Bruce, why I think some people think it's in play. You go back a couple of years, Beto O'Rourke lost to Senator Ted Cruz by only two and a half points. That was a close race. Uh, The polls show the Texas Democrats are gaining with college-educated white voters in suburbs like Austin and Dallas and Houston. A couple of years ago, the Democrats flipped 14 seats in the Texas state legislature. They flipped two in the U.S. House of Representatives. So they've had a big push on voter registration the last few years. Since 2016, they've registered over 2 million uh, new voters, about half of those under age 25, Mm -hmm. roughly a third of them, Latino, Hispanic. And the Democratic National Committee has added Texas to the list of battleground states in 2020. They say they're going to pump multi-million dollar investments in the state, which they will need because there's 2021 major media markets. It's an incredibly expensive state. Uh, Texas Republicans face the greatest election challenge in the past 50 years. That's what Senator John Cornyn just said a couple of days ago. He's in a tight race here. And, and bottom line, most of the polls up to this point, Bruce have showed this race between Biden and Trump in Texas is a dead heat. One point either way okay. uh, so far.
0: And by the way, we should so mention uh, again, I want to get Dave's uh, response as well, because uh, uh, we will know early in the evening. Generally, we will know earlier in the evening how things are going in Ohio, but I think everybody around this table would agree that, uh, if Texas is lost, there's no way that Trump is going to get reelected. Dave, you agree with that?
13: Oh, absolutely. I I would be astounded to to think that we could lose Texas. Uh, I I know you've had a lot of uh, Californians uh, leave California because Mm -hmm. of high taxes and high regulations and all the the mess that that it is in California. So they move to Texas and then start voting liberally in Texas. Doesn't make sense. but. That you know, Bruce, I had a caller on the show earlier this afternoon. She said she spoke with the former
14: chair of the Texas Democratic Party uh, recently. And he said to that point, if Trump loses Texas, all is lost for the Republican Party for maybe, you know, years and decades oh, yeah. to come.
0: I, I want to ask our uh, engineers, is there anything we can do to improve the quality of Kenny's call? I'm getting a, a no. So it, this is just a technical issue that uh, this is what happens in the world of Zoom. The era of <laughs> broadcasting's era of Zoom will, will be known for bad audio. Go ahead. Uh Josh Cantro.
1: Uh Kenny, this is Josh Cantro. I have a question for you. You mentioned uh California and one of the concerns that I have is That I think that the California Republican Party blew it with the Hispanic voters. Hispanic voters there have a much lower percentage of voting for the GOP than they do nationally. And I'm concerned about how Texas is approaching that as well. Um, Do you see anything on the ground that the Republicans are doing in Texas to keep the Hispanic vote higher than normal?
14: Well, there's a couple of things. Um You know, Joe Biden is not doing that well with Hispanics nationwide. President Trump got 26% of the Hispanic vote in 2016. The latest Wall Street Journal, NBC News, came out just uh, last week or so. He was in the 31% range with Hispanics. So my guess is uh, the Trump campaign is going to look for ways to build on that. That's not up in the 40s like uh, George W. Bush back in 2004, but 31% two months out for President Trump with Hispanics. That's not bad.
1: That's not were bad.
0: You, were, you su- were you surprised that the Republican convention, Josh Cantrell, uh, had so little outreach to Hispanic uh, voters? I it was, was overwhelmingly reaching out to the blacks.
1: Um, I was surprised with that. I wanted to see more outreach to Hispanics. I was thrilled <laughs> with the outreach to the black community because that is a community that really has done, um, that Trump, President Trump has done a lot of good for in terms of unemployment and jobs and wage gains and then, of course, the uh, First Step Act. But um, I, I worried and I was concerned with the lack of Hispanic outreach there. Well, the,
2: the, I mean, the, the lot of the Hispanic, uh, Latino vote that uh, Trump picked up in 2016, as it was mentioned, you know, it was a, a healthy percentage has been attributed to the fact that um, it was Hillary Clinton that was on the Democratic ticket. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. there, uh, particularly among Latino, the males um, voting for a woman has all the polling has shown that that it was part of the mm-hmm. issue. I would expect that Joe Biden will end up doing better. Nationwide among Latinos than uh, Hillary Clinton did.
0: Also, um, Bruce, if I could g- g- wind, Go ahead, I'm Dave. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: Uh, just real quickly,
14: one of the reasons why I think the Democrats may not win uh, here in Texas, uh, there was a special election earlier this year in Fort Bend County. That's a Houston suburb. District 28 was a special election to fill a vacant House seat. So many at the state level, national Democrats meeting the media said, "Okay, this is the bellwether for turning Texas blue. This is going to set the tone for 2020." So money, endorsements, volunteers poured in from outside the district. You had Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke going door to door outside of Houston. 70 percent of the money for that candidate came in from outside of Texas. 94 percent outside of the district. The candidate on the Democrat side was endorsed by the likes of Elizabeth Warren, Michael Bloomberg, Joe Biden. The Republican candidate won by 16 percent, 58 to 42. It was a blowout. So that was several months ago. But if that trend holds, you know, the Democrats didn't talk about that being a bellwether anymore. If that trend holds, uh, Trump won by nine points in 2016 here in Texas. Maybe he can still hang on. Dave Johnson, a
0: question to you. Uh, One of the stars, uh, albeit maybe not uh, a superstar star, uh, at the Democratic Convention was John Kasich, uh, the longtime Republican operative and governor of uh, the state of Ohio. Uh, He's a longtime friend of yours. What is the reaction in Ohio to John Kasich speaking at the Democratic Convention, and uh, is he going to pull a few or more than a few Republican moderate votes away from Donald Trump come November?
13: Well, you know, John Kasich, I knew John back when he was the maverick uh, uh, budget hawk in Congress Mm -hmm. and was one of the disciples of uh, Newt Gingrich, was instrumental in, in Gingrich becoming Speaker of the House. And, of course, when he ran for governor in Ohio, he became also very much a conservative governor. Um, he cut taxes, he actually eliminated the estate tax in Ohio altogether. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of good things about John Kasich and I think he was really quite a good governor, but I tell you when he ran for president, um, he just sort of went off the rails and, uh, you know, he really does not have much of a following in, in our state at all. First of all, he infuriated all the Democrats in the state when he tried to, to, um, terminate all the public sector unions in Ohio, and uh, that ended up going to the ballot. And so that sector of of Ohio has never forgiven him. And now he's alienated all the Republican base by speaking at the the Democrat National Convention. And you may remember back in 16, when the convention was in Cleveland. He didn't show up. He didn't (laughs) didn't show up. I mean, he, he could have came and just welcomed everybody to his state, no matter which party was having their national convention in your state. And so I don't know what's happened to John. He's uh, he's kind of gone off the his rocker in, a, in so many ways. And he, he'll be basically have no factor uh, in how people vote in Ohio. How
0: much money is the president spending on TV in Ohio? Because uh, uh, Ohio seems to be the perfect state uh, for the Trump voter.
13: Right, right. He's They're already on the air. They're spending money, you know, uh, on all the networks. And uh, there's quite a grassroots effort. Uh, going on last week, we had the Women for Trump bus going all through the state. They actually came right into to our little county, and went, this huge uh, pink bus with all kinds of women operatives on there, that got out and, and gave sort of a stump speech. Uh, so there's a lot of grassroots stuff going on uh, with the Trump campaign in Ohio, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're going to give it an all out fight, even though he's doing. I think, very well. I think he's going to win Ohio by the bigger margin than he did last time.
0: One of the things that was said by some of the uh, uh, analysts last week, uh, with all of the outreach to African Americans, that uh, obviously their goal is to get more African Americans uh, to vote for Donald Trump. And there was a recent poll said suggested there was a nine-point jump in black support for Donald Trump. But the analysts were saying that, the, the real target of all of that rhetoric was really suburban suburbanites, suburban women that they wanted to, they, they wanted to give permission to those suburban women to come back to the Republican Party because the African Americans who spoke uh, they, they diminished uh, the belief that many have is that Donald Trump is racist. That's the question. We do have to pause for a break when we come back. I want you to respond to it. I want uh, Kenny Rommeyer to respond to it, as well as our guests in studio. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us from coast to coast and border to border. This is Beyond the Beltway.
8: We are strong. We are resilient. And we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished
4: by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
0: Bruce Dumont, thanks very much for being with us. Uh, Jacob, uh, what is your assessment of uh, the outreach to African-Americans that the Republicans tried very hard last week to make? Um, I I think it
2: was pretty transparent. Um, You know, when Donald Trump claims to be the best president for blacks in American history other than, than Abraham Lincoln... That is a hard one to swallow and a hard one to even understand. Um, I don't think blacks are falling for it. I do tend to agree to you with you that that is uh, an attempt to say to white suburbanites, oh, well, it's OK. We're not the party of racists. You can come back in. You can vote for Donald Trump. What does it say I about think, some of the things he did? I think, I what, think, about,
0: what does it say about some of the things he did that were African Americans appeared to be the the dominant recipient of his?
2: Positions? I think it's very few and far between and very slight. Yeah, you can look at the the bipartisan uh, prison reforms that have taken place, and those were absolutely essential. And I think that you know that was. For some of the Republicans, that was based on saving money in the uh, penal system and uh, the prison. system. But it system. never it never
0: happened under a Democratic president. How come?
2: The, the Democrats have been advocating There's been a lot of Democrats advocating. And as you've know, called, right here. That's called right lip service. Chicago, that's called lip service. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Right here in Chicago, we've got we've had an unprecedented uh, reform in our jail and prison and, and prison populations. It's been it's been ongoing, as you recall. Our last president was a very big advocate for prison reform, but he was up against a Republican Congress, Never so couldn't get then. it done. Well, he was up against a Republican. I Congress. He was a I'm I sorry he was for two
1: years he had he had sixty senators. He had a super majority for, in the for Senate for the first two years, and he had a, a, a House. A, the, a Democratic for, House. But why didn't he get prison reform? Why, done? Why then? didn't
2: he, you know why? Why didn't that, in that two years? He got a lot done. And then he ended up spending the last the the, the last years of his term, the last six years. Fending off all sorts of attacks for the Affordable Care Act, a whole bunch of things right down the line. I don't think in 2010 through, through uh, the, the, the 2008 through 2010 there was a stomach for prison reform. He was pushing Kenny, it. He wanted to get it done, I but wanna, the Republicans wouldn't. Go I want to ask
0: our I want to ask our guest Kenny Kenny uh, from KLBJ in Austin, which is one of the most liberal cities in Texas. Uh, does the president get any credit? Do you do you have a lot of uh, uh, you know black callers, and and do any of them give credit to the president for uh, uh, criminal justice reform?
14: I will tell you briefly, anecdotally, we do get some calls, maybe not so much about the prison reform, but on school choice. Um, I really think here in Texas, with forty percent of the twenty-nine million residents here Latino, that's going to be the bigger story. I will say this, I think at the RNC, the convention, I think there was a compelling presentation by the widow of that slain St. Louis police officer. No, uh, I think Jack Brewer had a good uh, presentation. And uh, back in November of last year, when Kamala Harris was still in the uh, Democratic primary, she only got 5% of the vote and she was out in December. So no. you can read into that what you will.
0: Dave Johnson, your reaction. And now you are you are one of the most Republican areas of the state. Uh, I assume that it's probably one of the one of the most the whitest areas of of Ohio. Do people give credit at all to the president, or is the issue of criminal justice reform something that they care about at all?
13: I, I don't think it really resonates uh, much in my part of the state. Uh, I can tell you that what does resonate though, is the antifa and the, the this whole the struggles that are going on in the inner cities uh, of this state. Uh, that's overshadowed everything. Trust me. Uh, it, the outreach that Trump is making to African Americans is, do you want to see your cities destroyed to the to the good the majority of the good African Americans that are living in the inner cities? They've seen their department stores destroyed, their restaurants destroyed, their small businesses destroyed. And and the Democrats have stood by and basically said, let's defund the police. That doesn't sell in Ohio, I can tell you.
0: Jacob, it doesn't sell in Ohio. Does it sell in Illinois? We have a oh, mayor again, we have well, a I, mayor yeah, yeah. that doesn't support it.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think that the defund the police. First of all, it is an absolute misnomer, and it's been put out there by the far, far, far left, who who are trying to describe a refocusing of our priorities. We've got Joe Biden, who has said not only does he believe that police shouldn't be defunded, he thinks we have to add resources for the police. I happen to believe that we need to, you know, police should not be mental health workers. We we need to be. Solving and handling a lot of problems that the police have through mental health workers, through drug counseling. There's a lot of ways that we can take a lot of pressure off of our police and put uh, resources to helping crime with with social workers, drug counselors. if that's meaning. defunding, then I guess I'm for it. I'm Gentlemen, for refocusing I, gotta, refocusing. I gotta
0: ask you all to just uh, to take uh, take go back to your your positions at the moment. Because uh, we've got a little, about a minute left, but there is a point. The outreach to the African American community, I think, it was unlike anything I've ever seen at a Republican convention, that's for sure. And I also think I, I hope the president takes time to go visit uh, the, the family of Jacob Blake tomorrow, if indeed he, uh, or Tuesday when he's coming uh, to uh, Kenosha, because uh, what I heard out of the mouths of the mother and the sister uh, was 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 very passionate. And, and someone who, uh, a family that I think really wants to uh, try to heal in the wake of what happened uh, to their son. And also, uh, I offer condolences for I think a lot of people. I think the loss of, of Chadwick uh, Bozeman, uh, a young actor, a great career, and a man who had the, the, the stamina to fight a very, very lonely fight and to do it quietly and privately and to be able to build the career he built when he was on chemotherapy is a remarkable story, Uh, so my heart goes out. And again, this is is the type of African-American who should be celebrated forever because of what he went through and the fight that he continued to have until the day he died.
8: What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. That's it. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back.
7: I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon.
11: I act like I don't care if he comes to my games. But I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it.
8: I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's
11: not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back.
7: I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on
1: their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride.
12: Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours. That the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to MakeTheConnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast, to work hard, to do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, today'smilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling, we have an answer. Find your way at today'smilitary.com.
9: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
5: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of
13: and supporting my family.
9: America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives.
13: I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home.
9: At DAV. We all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to dav.org.
11: Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership.